Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, August 12, 2018, on the basis of Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. Well, don't look now, but for many of the families in the room today, one week from tomorrow is the first day of school. And I know that for some of our families, including my own, we have children who are entering kindergarten. In other words, who will be having not just the first day of this school year, but the first day of really their their formal schooling in general. And as we all know, kindergarten starts with the very basics. The ABCs and the 123s. Learning how to add, learning how to take away, learning how to spell and sound out very basic words like mom and dad and dog and cat and ball. But let me ask you this. What if that wasn't only the way that kindergarten began? What if that's how sixth grade began? What if that's how ninth grade began? What if that's how freshman year of college began? Welcome to English 101. I'll be your professor. Take out your notebook and pay careful attention. This is an A. A is for apple. A says ah. Ah. I'm sure the students sitting there would think that that was some kind of cruel joke, right? Surely college students have moved beyond that. Surely college students are ready for for more than that. Surely college students would be insulted by going back to such simple and basic things. But you know, I can't help but wonder if that's exactly how the Christians who first read this letter felt when they got to the part of the letter that's in front of us today. As I mentioned last week, the entire first half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapters 1 through 3, Paul describes in great detail, everything that God had done for and everything that God had declared those people to be through the work of Jesus Christ. But then in chapters 4 through 6, the part of the letter that we are in right now, Paul then went on to describe everything that God wanted them to do in response to what he had done for them. And I can't help but think that these Christians, people who had been Christians for quite some time already, people who had gone through their fair share of tests and trials to their faith and who had done so successfully, I might add. I can't help but wonder whether these people thought, surely we are ready for something beyond just the basics. Surely we are ready for some graduate-level instruction in our Christian living. And maybe we might be inclined to think exactly the same thing. You see, just like we expect that in our education we are going to make progress, that a college freshman is more advanced than a ninth grader, who is more advanced than a sixth grader, who is more advanced than a kindergartner, so also we might expect that in our Christian lives we should experience steady and continual progress. Sure, I know I'm not perfect, but I can tell you what, I'm a lot farther along than I was five years ago, and even though there's still plenty that I need to work on, if I, if I do that, given enough time, I know that five years from now, I'll be even further still. If that's our assumption, if we think that the Christian life is going to be marked by continual and ongoing process progress, then as we read these words from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we might think that it's some kind of joke. 
we might feel a bit insulted. Because rather than telling us to expect ongoing progress, rather than giving us some sort of graduate level instruction in godly living, what Paul wants us to know is this, that in Christ's classroom, we never move on past the very first lesson. That especially sounds surprising when we take a look at these words and find out exactly what that first lesson is. In these verses, Paul sort of takes us on a trip down memory lane. It's almost like he pulls out one of those pictures that moms love to take that you'll be seeing all over Facebook next Monday when school starts up, those pictures of the first day of school. Paul is saying, here's what you looked like on your first day in Christ's classroom, on your first day as a Christian. And he first of all says that when you walked into the room, you were absolutely clueless. You were ignorant. You were in the dark. You didn't know up from down or left from right. And so as a result, you couldn't even tell the difference between the good gifts that God designed us to enjoy and that he offers us freely and the cheap imitations of those gifts that we can find everywhere else in our world. Paul says that you were so clueless about the difference between those things that all of the things that you spent your effort and your energy and your attention on, you spent pursuing things that were ultimately of very little value, ultimately meaningless. And all the while, you were completely in the dark about it. But then you walked into that classroom, and as Paul says, it's, it's a classroom where Jesus is both the teacher and the subject matter. It's taught by him and it's about him, which means that we shouldn't be surprised that in this classroom is where we are going to learn the truth, as Paul says. And the very first lesson that Christ wants us to teach us in his classroom is simply this. Out with the old, in with the new. Or actually what Paul says is, off with the old and on with the new. Paul uses language that makes us think of the, the changing of our clothes. Now, normally when we think about the clothes that we wear, we, we think of something that's only very superficial, right? In fact, maybe it's something that we use to hide our real selves from the rest of the world. But in Paul's conception, these clothes are our real selves. So we're not simply putting off a few bad habits and foolish misconceptions that we have. We're, we're putting off that entire old self with all of its sin and all of its corruption. And in its place, we are putting on a brand new self, completely holy, completely perfect. When you walked into Christ's classroom on the very first day, you weren't told to sit up straight and behave. You weren't told to shape up or ship out. You weren't told to pay close attention and maybe, just maybe, you'll pass the class. No, instead, Paul says that that entire old self with all of its sin and all of its corruption was taken off and a completely new self was put on. Whether that was when you first heard the gospel or when you were brought to the baptismal font, that's exactly what God did for you. All of your sin, all of your corruption was taken off and a brand new self created by Jesus himself, created to be like Jesus himself was put on. Ever since that day, ever since that first day of class, that's how God has seen you. Whenever he looks at you, that's exactly what he sees. Sounds simple enough, right? Why would anyone want to stand, want to appear before God? 
dressed in clothing of their own making, full of their own sin. Why would anyone not want to appear before God clothed head to toe in the perfection of Jesus Christ? Sounds simple. This is the basics. This is the very heart and core of the Christian message. In fact, it sounds so simple that it maybe seems a bit strange that Paul would feel the need to repeat it. Paul doesn't simply say that this is something you learned once upon a time on that first day of class. He says this is a lesson that you need to go back to over and over and over again. In fact, that's what he's doing in these verses. He starts out these verses by saying to these Christians, stop living the way that you used to live, the way that the Gentiles still live. Stop acting in that way that you used to act. And then as he talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new self, he doesn't just say that that's something that happened once and for all when we came to faith. He says it's something that it needs to happen over and over and over again, that we need to continuously be made new in the attitude of our minds. You see, this lesson is simple enough. But the very nature of that old self Paul describes is also what makes this lesson so difficult. That old self that Paul describes means that that old self is never going to change. It's never going to get better. It's never going to improve or progress. It's going to be as clueless and corrupt when you are 80 years old as you were when you were eight. Which means that as we live our Christian lives, we should not expect steady, ongoing progress. Sure, there might be some areas of our life where we can say, I've improved there but I'm guessing there will also be areas of our lives where we'll realize that not only are we stuck, but maybe we're moving backwards. Yes, this lesson is simple, but its simplicity is also its difficulty. The very nature of that old self means that this very first lesson is something that we will never move past. And if you're tempted to disagree... If you're thinking in your head that maybe I'm not quite right, I hate to say it, but the facts are on my side. Isn't this what we experience in our everyday lives? Isn't this a a true picture of life as a Christian? Yes, I know there are areas where you can look at your life and say, look at how I've improved, but, but I know that there are also areas, there are also sins where you just seem stuck. You seem unable to advance forward, and not in spite of your best efforts, but maybe even because of your lack thereof. In fact, just think of that sentence that I used to describe the old self. So clueless that we spend our time, our energy, our focus, our drive pursuing things that are of relatively little value. How often does that not describe us still here today? In fact, let's maybe compare ourselves to younger versions of ourselves and ask, have we really made progress? Let's, let's maybe even compare ourselves to children. Are there some ways in which you live that's that's a little bit more advanced, a little bit progressed past how children act? Sure. I hope that when you get upset with someone, you don't haul off and kick them in the shin or decide to pull on their hair. But there are other ways, of course, in which we can look at children and realize, boy, that was the high point, and it's just all been downhill ever since. A while back with, with one of our kids, I won't mention him by name, he had this weird thing with generosity. Every time we went to church, he just wanted to dump out his entire piggy bank 
to put it in the offering plate. And then when cousins or friends would come over, he just wanted to give away his money to them. And not, not dimes and nickels and pennies. We're talking 10 and $20 bills. And, and he thought it was great. He loved it. Of course, we, f- we fixed that problem, right? <laughs> 30 years of life experience will teach you that you just can't live that way, right? I mean, money doesn't go on trees, we all know. When you get money, you've got to hold on to it with the tightest of fists. And now, even at a stage where... I, I can't even count probably how much more money I have than when I had when I was five. Someone comes along and asks for $5 to help with a meal. Well, of course I can't afford that, and they're probably just pulling one over on me anyways. That's progress? Are you kidding me? Talk about a joke. Now, is that to say that we don't even try? Of course not. We struggle against sin. We strive to avoid sin. I'm guessing that if you get out of the shower and put on a brand new clean pair of clothes after a long, grueling, sweaty workout at the gym, the very first thing you're going to do is not walk over to that pile of sweaty, stinky clothes and just rub it all over yourself again. Of course we struggle against sin. Of course we strive to improve. But as we do, we have realistic expectations for how it's going to go. Yes, this lesson is very simple. But its simplicity is also its difficulty. In fact, so much so that we never really move past it. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. I mean, sure, in theory, progress sounds nice and all. It's kind of the American way, right? Always onward and upward. But when it comes to the Christian faith, the idea of progress is sort of inherently self focused. That if our lives were all about progress and the improvements that we would be making, then inevitably our focus would be on measuring that progress. How am I doing? Am I better off than I was a year ago? How do I compare to all of the other students in the class? Am I right at the top or am I kind of falling behind? And don't you see how each and every one of those questions is diametrically opposed to the basic lesson number one? Each and every one of those questions is a way of reaching back into that hamper and putting on those smelly, sweaty clothes once again of wanting to clothe ourselves in our own goodness instead of in the righteousness of Christ. But instead, because progress is slow and painful and sometimes even non-existent, we are constantly forced to go back to that very first lesson, constantly forced to remember that there's no way in the world I want to stand before God or anyone else for that matter dressed in clothes of my own making. Instead, we are forced to run back to the closet as fast as we can and reach for those clothes that were made and were given to us by Christ Jesus. If the Christian life were all about the slow and steady removal of sin from our lives, where would that leave us? We might think that it sure would be great to move past lesson number one, but the second we move past lesson number one, odds are we've maybe forgotten it. And guess what? That's not only good for us. That's also good for other people. You heard Jesus say that the way glory is going to come to him in our world is through us, through Christians, through his people. So let me ask, What do you think would bring more glory to Jesus? 
to have a group of followers who is just obsessed with their spiritual self-improvement, who is constantly thinking about and talking about and worrying about and measuring just how far they've come? Or will more glory come to Jesus by him having a group of people who only seek his perfection as a replacement for their own sin? Or let me ask it this way. What if someone were to ask your spouse or a child or a friend, you know, what kind of husband do you have? What kind of father did you have growing up? What kind of friend is so-and-so like? Which do you think would be better? For that person to be able to say, well, he always did his very best and never heard a foul word come out of his mouth. One of the best people I know. Or for that person to say, You know, he didn't always get it right. In fact, far from it. But I know, because he said it often, that the only credit he ever claimed and the only pride he ever took was in the perfection that was a free gift from Jesus Christ. What would be better if someone asked you about your church? What would you talk about this Sunday? What was the sermon all about? What would be better to be able to say, well, this week it was all about seven steps toward financial freedom or three ways to control your anger? Or would it be better to say, you know, this week, just like every other week, we were reminded to cast off the clothing of our own making and to embrace the perfection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, that very first lesson in Christ's classroom is so simple. Yes, it's Simplicity is also its difficulty, but its difficulty is also its beauty. In Christ's classroom, we never move on from that very first lesson, and that's just fine. Because that's the lesson that we never want to forget. That's the lesson that we want everyone else to learn. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.